for that reason, we don't have to fear the grave uh, because actually our souls will never go into the grave, only our physical bodies. And then God will call our bodies back one day and we'll be with him forevermore. It is great to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We are thankful for your presence, those who are online, those who are here in persons. May God bless each and every one of you. Let's go together, please, to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for allowing us to pray to you, for knowing us, for protecting us and keeping us, for thrilling us, and even for examining us. Help us, Lord God, to rid our minds of worldly thought, that we might be able just to focus on you, that our worship this morning will and have been pleasing and acceptable unto thee. That we, Lord God, are honoring and praising your holy and divine name in spirit and in truth. Help us to remember Jesus, your great son, who died so willingly on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary in our stead that we might live. These things we do ask and thank you for and pray in that wonderful magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, must be thy will. Amen. The angel of the Lord. We discussed this last week. We've been looking at the activity of Jesus and now the angel of the Lord. And I think it's, if, if you haven't thought of this concept before, that it's maybe coming to light more and more. Or maybe I'm just reminding you of things that you already know and understand. God is powerful. We want to make sure that as we think about the angel of the Lord, as we think about Jesus, that we remember that Jesus is Lord, King, everlasting. Let's go to Judges chapter 2. And let's look at another few passages that uh, discuss the angel of the Lord and and help us understand uh, his power and might. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. And he said, I brought you up out of of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So the angel of the Lord says, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. Let's go back and take a look. Exodus chapter 13. We'll begin uh, reading at verse 21. And we'll see that the angel for sure brought them up out of the land of Egypt. We'll see that the Lord brought them up out of the land of Egypt. In Exodus 13 and verse 21, the Bible says, And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by uh, day by day, excuse me, they may travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The Lord did that. Judges 2 says the angel of the Lord led them. 
Exodus 14, verse 19. The Bible says, And the angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus, the one did not come near the other all night. And so as you're reading this and you're seeing that, that God is leading them and, and caring for them, and then the Egyptians, as they're, uh, if you will, pursuing, they've changed their plans, they've changed their mind, and now they're pursuing after the Israelites, you'll see the angel of the Lord, you'll see the Lord go from being leading, if you will, or the leader to uh, the protector and the leader. In chapter 14, in verse 28, the Bible says, And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army, that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel from the day from the hand of Egypt, the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. How did all that happen? From the protection of God. Now go back to Judges, please. And let's read of what the angel of the Lord is saying or reminding the Israelites of what it is that he has done for them. Judges, we'll go back to chapter 2. We'll begin at verse 1. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Boca. And he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? And notice the angel of the Lord is speaking because he's God. And he's saying, you have not obeyed me. Angels only give direction from the Lord. But here the angel of the Lord is giving direction, speaking as God. Verse 3. Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. And it came about when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named that place Bochum. And there they sacrificed to the Lord. Turn back to Exodus, please. Chapter 23. Exodus 23. As a consequence of uh, their insubordination, their, their evil living or wickedness, the angel informs the Hebrews that he's withdrawing his protection from them. The nation didn't always honor God as they were supposed to. If you look at Exodus 23 and verse 20, 
The Bible says, Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not rebel or be rebellious toward him. Excuse me. For he will not pardon your transgression since my name is in him. But if you will truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorite and the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Canaanite, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I will completely destroy them. Turn to Isaiah 63. So here the Father says, my name is in this angel, if you will. Speaking of the Godhead. In Isaiah 63, in verse 7. I shall make mention of the loving kindness of the Lord. The praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord had granted us. And the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has granted them according to his compassion and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, sons who will not deal falsely. So he became their savior. And in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his mercy. He redeemed them. And he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. And so, here the angel of God's presence, the Lord, Jesus. Let's go backwards to the book of uh, Joshua. Book of Joshua. Chapter 5. And so these passages, you'll have to go back and read and reread them to, to identify and to grow in uh, in this area of your faith. The idea, again, is to remind us that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, the activity of Jesus, he didn't, he wasn't there on the day of creation and, 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 well, before obviously eternity and then, and then creation and then just go away until the Savior comes on the scene. That would be a misunderstanding of the activity of God. In Joshua 5, beginning, if you will, the very end, verse 13 of the chapter, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather. I indeed come now as a captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down. And he said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? Now, I want you to notice that the word Lord is not capital. I want you to understand when he says he was just a man. So Joshua is trying to identify who is this man. But watch the progression. Verse 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. There is no passage in the Scriptures where anyone other than the Lord ever says, remove your sandals from your feet. For this is Jesus again. In chapter 6, as we continue reading, 
Now Jericho was tightly shut up because the sons of Israel, no one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. Who's been talking to him? The captain of the host. And now in chapter 6, he's revealed as the Lord. And so God is working over and over in the children of men, saving, protecting, guiding, and guarding them. Back again to the book of Judges. But this time, chapter 6, we'll look at um, uh, Gideon. Gideon. When we think about Gideon, and he goes out uh, for the work of the Lord, and in Judges chapter 6, the Bible says, beginning about verse 11, And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, My Lord, notice the lowercase, My Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Notice the progression. The Lord. It reminds me of John 9 where uh, the, the man born blind. And at first it's like some man came and healed me. And then it's like, you know, some, some man. He just It was progressive and eventually it came to the Lord healed me. As you continue reading in verse 15, And he said to him, O Lord, notice the progression, look at the word, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest of my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian, Midian as one Man, And so as you read the Bible, you'll notice over and over again this amazing progression showing the angel of the Lord to be the Lord. It's exactly who he is. Continuing chapter 6, I'm jumping all the way down to verse 19. Then Gideon went in and prepared a kid and unleavened bread from the ephah of flour. And he put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to under the oak and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, 
For now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Because you see, there's a teaching in the Bible, we'll go all the way back to Exodus chapter 33, where the Father makes the statement that no man can see me and live. Exodus 33 and verse 19. The Bible says, and he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And then Jesus tells us in John chapter 1 and the verse 18 regarding the father and regarding seeing the Father, he says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And so there has to be this understanding then, if no one's seen the Father, but here we have the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord is described to us as being the Lord, then obviously it has to be Jesus. Judges chapter 13. And so there was this this understanding uh, in these days, that if you saw God, you were going to die. Uh, and so the angel comforts them uh, on a few occasions saying, even though you saw me, you are not going to die. Because it's Jesus. And not the Father. Exodus 13 and verse 15. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you so that we may prepare for you a kid. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the kid with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. And he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward the heavens, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Now the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah or his wife. Then Manoah knew that it was the angel of the Lord. So Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear these things or things like this at this time. Go back to Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. So you'll see over and over again that uh, the the angel comes, the angel speaks, the angel uh, makes promises that only God, the Godhead, can make. Uh, the angel fulfills promises that only the Godhead can fulfill. 
And in Genesis chapter 16, we start looking at Hagar. We'll begin down at verse 5 for time's sake. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms. But when she saw that she was, had, excuse me, that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarah treated her harshly. And she fled from her presence. Look, here, here's, the, here's the problem with this, with this text. The problem with this text is people. <laughs> people are just, are just mean to people and harsh. And so here's this situation where uh, it's not a pretty scene of, of Abram and Sarah. Well, but the problem would never have existed had they not tried to fix things for God. And you can always know that when you try to fix things for God, it's not going to turn out pretty. So let's continue reading about the angel and his interaction with, uh, with Hagar. In verse uh, 7, the Bible continues to read, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Here's a command that comes from the angel. Notice back in verse 8. He said to her, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? That's, that's what you hear God saying in the Bible. You start reading and you realize God starts asking these, these uh, rhetorical questions. He's asking, where, where are you now? Uh, uh, where, where are you going? Where, where have you been? What are you doing? And you start reading these, and here the angel of the Lord speaks exactly in the same way. Verse 10, Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they shall be too many to count. Have you heard that one before? Remember God's promise to Abraham? Verse 11, The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. And you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your afflictions. And he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all of his brothers. And you start reading the Bible, and you read over and over again where these descendants become exactly what God said they would be. Skip over to chapter 21, beginning at verse 15. The Bible there says, And the water in the skin was used up, and she left the boy under one of the bushes. Speaking of Hagar. And she went and sat down opposite him, about a bow shot away. She said, Do not let me see the boy die. She sat opposite him and lifted her voice. And wept. And God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad. Where is he? Arise, 
Lift up the lad and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. The power of God. Back to Genesis chapter 16 and verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Thou art a God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? So there's no question uh, over and over again through the scriptures where we're going to read the angel of the Lord. Now, you have to, you have to study, uh, you know, this and, and recognize that not every time you read, uh, you're going to read about an angel and then an angel of the Lord, that it actually is the same as the angel of the Lord. But it takes a lot of study for that to, to distinguish that out. Sometimes it's kind of confusing. But I thought these were probably more um, obvious than maybe some of the others. I want to go to Malachi chapter 3 for just a moment. What, what's the point of, of this, this lesson uh, series, speaking of the angel of the Lord? It, brethren, it is simply just to lift Jesus up in your minds. It simply is to, to increase the level of your reverence and your reverential fear for Jesus. It simply is to take your, your Christian faith, to move it to that next level in your relationship to Jesus. It is to, to remove, if you will, the sinful minds that we find in our lives. It is to cause us to contemplate, to think about, to consider our relationship with Jesus. It is, as we uh, discussed in, in Bible study, making sure or ensuring that our worship is acceptable to God. It is ensuring that we have not only that reverential fear, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, in our hearts and in our minds, but that we never use the name of God, the name of Jesus, in vain. Ever. And that it bothers us when we hear it in the streets. And that the doors of opportunity will open up for our spiritual lives to become even deeper and more enriched because we hold Jesus in high esteem and high honor. Malachi 3. There's the, the, the prophecy of the messenger uh, who would come. And there's the messenger of the covenant. And the messenger of the covenant spoken of in Malachi chapter 3 is Jesus. Verse 1. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. This is John the Baptist. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So John the Baptist would prepare the way. And Jesus would come and live. And I want you to think about this. Jesus came. God, the Lord. And look at how they treated him. And I wonder if the Lord came back today, how we would treat him. How would the world treat Jesus if he came back today?
Well, I pray that the church would bow in humble adoration and we would praise His name, our Lord of Lords, the Lord of Lords, our King of Kings, the King of Kings, and we would worship Him acceptably and follow. Well, we don't have to wait for the Lord to come back or imagine the Lord come to worship with us, for God is with us, isn't He? So how are we living for Jesus today? How are we treating Jesus? The lesson is yours. This morning, if you've been struggling in your faith and would like prayers made on your behalf, if you would just like make prayers made for strength or whatever is necessary in your life, you can make that known to us. You can contact us online. If you're not a child of God, we invite you to consider coming to Jesus. Surrendering to him in the waters of baptism, having heard his word and believed it, having godly sorrow in your heart, being willing to uh, confess his name before men, be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation.